Right, this is um, uh, Henry Diodu Apiakran once again, and today I have with me a very powerful personality uh, that we want to have a very discussion. And uh, before we start our discussion, uh, we want to know who he is uh, and what he stands for. Uh, can we know who, who you are? Sure. Uh, my name is Rick McKinney. I live in the United States. Uh, I've been in the ministry for all of my life, over 50 years, and uh, love Jesus with all my heart, and uh, uh, I'm here to talk about him today. Wow, um, Mr. Rick, uh, right. Mr. Rick, which part of uh, USA are you living? Uh, we live in Kentucky, um, which is in the southern Midwest, uh, very near Tennessee. All right. So meaning that you are a Christian believer, right? Absolutely. You believe in Christ Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior. Absolutely. Wow. Before we proceed, I want to ask, so uh, Mr. Rick, uh, who is Jesus to you personally? Who is Jesus to you in your own experience, in your own Christian life? Who is Jesus to you? Uh, Jesus is uh, everything. Uh, he is life. Uh, he's truth. Uh, he has uh, transformed my heart and continues to do that every day. Um, every day as I walk with him uh, and he gets closer and closer to me, it changes the way I see people. Uh, it changes the way I treat people. And uh, he is he is my everything and has been for a very long time. Wow. So have you had like a, an encounter or a personal experience with Jesus or with the Holy Spirit uh, in, in your Christian life? Absolutely. Uh, I, I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior when I was a young child. My father was a pastor uh, for over 55 years, and so I grew up hearing about Jesus. Uh, but when I was 13 years old, uh, I experienced for the first time what it was really like uh, to turn my life over to him and uh, give him complete control of my life. Uh, I experienced him at a new depth and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, it has been a wonderful adventure ever since. That's great. So in, in America, I learned uh, there are so many restrictions in the church that you're not supposed to do evangelism at the street. Is it true that uh, believers are not allowed to do evangelism on the street in America? Um, yes and no. Uh, a, a lot of that has to do with where you live. Um, we live in a part of the country um, which has a lot of Christians, a lot of churches, and so we speak openly about our faith um, with no reservation and no fear. Uh, but there are parts of the United States uh, the West Coast, the East Coast, uh, in more uh, in large cities uh, where uh, people have not experienced Christ, and and uh, many people are atheists and agnostics and don't believe. And uh, in many of those places, uh, you're restricted in what you can say. Uh, you may get in trouble, and if you if you talk about Jesus at school, uh, or if you talk about Jesus in the workplace. Uh, you may be reprimanded or you may be corrected or in school you may be punished. And many children are sent home from school when they wear a T-shirt that has Jesus' name on it um, in larger cities. 
where we live, it's not like that. Um, my wife is a school teacher, and uh, she talks openly about Jesus uh, most every day to the students. And so it really depends on where you live. Meaning that um, it depends on where you are living. Wow, yes. that's great. So I, I, I learned, um, I, I watched some of the news on online. I learned that there's an LGBT, uh, lesbian, gays, uh, bisexual, transgenders, and uh, many other things going on in some churches. Uh, where you are living, is there a church like that where the church accepts LGBT, the lesbians, the gays, the bisexuals in, in such a place like that? Have you experienced such in the churches around uh, America where you are living? Uh, where I'm living, that, that's not a huge problem. Obviously, um, there, is, there is some of that, um, uh, not as much as there is, again, in big cities. Uh, mostly in the large cities, New York City, Los Angeles, uh, Denver, um, especially the cities that happen to be more politically liberal, uh, you would see that in a much greater way. Um, but of course, uh, the leadership in our country is pushing that agenda and pushing um, the gay and lesbian agenda, uh, the transsexual agenda. As a matter of fact, our uh, I, I hesitate to even call him our president, but the man who's sitting in the Oval Office uh, has just flown the pride flag at the White House uh, and put it in the center of two American flags, which is never supposed to be done. Uh, because that agenda is being pushed. And so uh, it is very present in the United States. And uh, unless there is uh, an impact made by the believers, if believers don't start standing up and taking a stand for what's right and what the Word of God says, uh, then I'm afraid that our country is headed down a very bad path. Wow, that's very serious. That's very, very serious. And so, so uh, are there some kind of a uh, revival going on? Like, are there some Christians who are dedicated praying for the church in America so that uh, all these things will not try to infiltrate the church and allow the, the enemy to, to just get hold of, of the church? Uh, because I believe we are in the end time, and, and the Bible talks uh, in the book of Second Timothy chapter 5, he says that in the last days, uh, there shall be perilous times, uh, ungodly men, uh, wickedness. All these things will rise up uh, in the church. So I believe, although it is part of rising up in America and in the other part of the world, we have to also pray and then uh, do uh, many. So what are the church? What is the church doing now in America? What what are they doing to help uh, break all this kind of uh, disturbances uh, in the church? Uh, what, what is the church doing in America? Um. Well, the church is very divided about this issue, and um, you have some of them. As a matter of fact, the United Methodist Church uh, has just lost hundreds and hundreds of churches that have withdrawn fellowship uh, over the uh, gay and lesbian uh, agenda. They have uh, kind of split over that issue because some of the church, uh, some of the United Methodist Church are ordaining gays and lesbians, uh, transsexuals into the ministry. And many of the more conservative churches have pulled away and said, we don't approve of that. And so it depends on the denomination. Again, um, many of the mainline churches, Presbyterians and uh, United Methodists and Episcopalians uh, have gone down that path and are going the same path as the world. Uh, but you have many other churches, uh, the Assembly of God, the Charismatics of Pentecostals, uh, many of the Baptists, are taking a strong stand against those things and refusing to give into that. And there are all kinds of prayer um, 
uh, meetings going on, all kinds of uh, evangelists that are traveling the country, uh, trying to stir the church and warn the church uh, that Jesus is coming back. And this is, of course, what we read in uh, the Word of God, that in the last day there'll be a great falling away. But I also believe in the last days there'll be a great revival uh, of God's people coming to their knees. And what Second Chronicles 7.14 tells us will be true, that if God's people will uh, humble themselves and pray and forsake their wicked ways, he will heal from heaven and he will heal our land. And I believe that with all my heart. Oh, that, that's great. So, uh, meaning that the church has to come together and then pray for the for the uplifting of the Holy Spirit, so that uh, the enemy will not try to uh, cover up the church with all kind of uh, philosophy and all kind of ideas. Uh, that's great. So, uh, you said you are in a race out of North America, right? Yes. Uh, uh, can you please repeat uh, the, the, the the seat again where you are? Uh, yes, we're in the state of Kentucky. Uh, which is uh, in the Midwest, uh, very close to the Tennessee border. We're, we're in the South. All right. So you are in the South of America, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. But I think uh, for the South America, I think um, I think that is where most of the Blacks are, right? That's yes. where most of the Black Americans are. Yes. All right. So, so, so i think uh there is something that the church have to do much more and then we can pray because the bible says that uh when we call upon the name of the lord in romans chapter 10 verse 13 the bible says that uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord uh, shall be saved so i believe that as you are a christian believer your family believe in jesus christ we follow jesus christ and uh, there is no power that Jesus Christ cannot subdue. So uh, I believe that when we come together, I am in Ghana here, uh, in Africa like this, we'll be praying for our brothers in the Lord because we are all the same. We all want the same spirit, the same uh, mind, the same Holy Spirit. So as we are here in Africa, in Ghana, we'll be praying for our beloved ones in different parts of the world so that um, the enemy will not try to dominate them with... Um, uh, kind of ungodly uh, beliefs and then the kind of ungodly philosophies to uh, help uh, destroy the church. So, um, uh, Mr. Rick, I learned you wrote a book. Uh, can you just give a, a brief about the books? What inspired you to write your book, the title of your book, and then what we can learn uh, from your book? Okay. Um, our book is called And So We Walked. And uh, in 2006, my wife and I were traveling around America preaching and singing and uh, holding revival meetings. And uh, we were preaching about reclaiming America. So I'm glad you asked the questions that you did about our country. And uh, we believe that God wants to, to uh, take back America and uh, be the first place in our country like he was when our country was founded. And so uh, we felt like God was saying to us, uh, it was a promise out of Joshua chapter 1 that every place you put the sole of your foot, uh, you can claim for him. And so God spoke to me and said, do you believe that? And I said, yes, I do. He said, do you believe that means you? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, what do you want to claim? And I said, our country. And so he said, well, then walk it. Put the sole of your foot down. And so my wife and I walked 2,770 miles we walked from Los Angeles, California on the West Coast to Washington, D.C. on the East Coast, uh, 20 miles a day for six months. And as we walked, we shared our faith with people. We witnessed the people on the streets. Uh, we witnessed to homeless people. 
we walked through inner cities. We bought meals for people who were living under bridges. We shared Jesus with them. We prayed uh, hundreds and hundreds of times for people all across the United States. And uh, we wrote this book uh, to talk about that walk. And it's a very encouraging, inspiring book. And I think the bottom line is that people who read this book are going to be inspired, encouraged to do whatever God calls them to do. He called us to walk across America, uh, but he calls uh, other people to talk to their neighbor across the back fence or uh, to go downtown to the grocery store to uh, get uh, fuel for their car and talk to the people there. But whatever God calls us to do and wherever God calls us to walk, uh, that's where we need to walk and be obedient to him. Because in an obedient uh, Christian, uh, God's blessings come and we see others come to faith and come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Uh, that's great of you. So, uh, so meaning that uh, the book talks about uh, being obedient uh, to, to the call of God and then uh, walking in, in the light of the gospel. I, I went through, I, I but I, I read a sample on my Kindle version. I've not read through it, but I, I uh, click on the sample on my Kindle version. And I thought, it's, it's a fiction book. You wrote in a fictional form, right? The book was written in a fictional form. Uh, the, the book is, is written, uh, it's all true. Uh, every story in it is true. My wife wrote down the name of every person that we met across America. And uh, so every story is true, and it's lots of stories about the people that we met, the people we shared Jesus with, people who accepted Christ along the way, uh, people whose lives were impacted. One one person that we talked to uh, is now a minister uh, because of the walk and because of the impact that the walk had on her. So uh, it's it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful thing to read just to encourage you. I love sharing stories of how God works, and it's just one story after another of how God worked on the walk, how God provided for us financially, and how God healed our bodies and allowed us to keep walking. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's a very encouraging story. People are writing every day and saying, I read the book and it changed my life. Wow, that's great. That's great. Uh, meaning that uh, we can learn a lot from your book. We can learn from the experiences, uh, what you went through uh, as, as a Christian. So uh, if we are, we are to pick maybe about, let's say, what are, give about some maybe five lessons that you've learned from the, your journey of life as a Christian. What have you learned in your personal experience that you believe that as incoming young Christians, incoming believers, young believers, trying to grow up their faith in Christ, what can we uh, learn or what can we adapt in our Christian life so that we will not give up as you are coming up uh, in the Christian journey? Um, well, let's see. Uh, these won't be in any particular order because I'll just be thinking about them as I, as I talk. But uh, first is obedience. Uh, I, I believe that uh, it's, it's imperative, it's important Christians obey the word of God and obey the call of God and obey the spirit of God and the voice of God that we hear in our own spirits. And so uh, it's, it's impossible for a Christian who is disobedient um, to understand and accept all of uh, the blessings that God has. And um, so we must be obedient. We must spend time in God's presence. Uh, we have to spend time uh, in his word and uh, in prayer uh, and in fellowship with other Christians and submitting ourselves to authorities, uh, we have to be involved in uh, spending time in God's presence. Uh, 
again, if you don't know God, if you don't spend time with God, if you don't experience him personally, uh, day by day by day, um, you, you can't understand or recognize his voice when he talks. Uh, if you never talk to your wife or your husband or your children, uh, after a period of time, you would forget what their voice sounds like. And so if we don't talk to God on a regular basis, if we don't spend time in his presence, uh, we we don't recognize his voice. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10 that his his sheep know his voice. And the way that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd is they spend time with the shepherd and the shepherd spends time with the sheep. And that's how we recognize his voice. Um, I think third, it's imperative that uh, Christians, especially young Christians, spend time fellowshipping with other Christians and finding older Christians that can mentor them and uh, teach them uh, their experience and uh, bring them up in the faith. Um, the people that we come after, we stand on their shoulders. And uh, if we don't learn from our elders, if we don't learn from those who walk this road before us, uh, we're uh, apt to make the same mistakes uh, that they made. And and one of the ways that we can avoid some of those traps and some of those pitfalls and some of those mistakes is uh, by spending time uh, with those who've already walked where we're trying to go and what we're uh, trying to accomplish. Uh, here's a lesson that I learned a long time ago. Um, I, I just posted about this on Facebook, as a matter of fact, uh, and that is to sing. Even if you can't sing, go ahead and sing. When you don't feel like singing, Go ahead and sing. There's something about singing and praising God um, in the midst of trouble, when you feel depressed, when you're discouraged, if you'll just go ahead and sing. A lot of times what happens is when we get down and discouraged, depressed, we don't feel like singing, so we stop singing. But if you read the Word of God, especially the Old Testament, what you find is that when they praised God, it changed things. When they sang praises unto God, it changed the situation. Uh, when Paul and Silas were in prison, they were singing uh, at midnight, praising God at midnight um, when uh, they were able to get out of prison and uh, when the chains broke and when the earthquake came. It's because they were praising God and singing. And so always have a song in your heart. Always sing unto the Lord. Even if you can't carry a tune, just sing unto the Lord. Uh, that's that's really, really important. And then I, I think it's just important to be a part of a, a local fellowship, a local group. Um, to worship together. There's something about corporate worship. Uh, Hebrews says in 10, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but come together. And I think in the coming together, and you know, uh, we can do that lots of different ways. You and I are doing that right now uh, over a telephone call uh, across an ocean on two separate continents. But we are brothers in the Lord. Uh, we love the same Jesus. We are part of the same body. And uh, that brings strength to me, man. When I talk to a, another believer, uh, whether it's in Ghana or whether it's in another part of the United States, I've been to China three times and, and talked to the underground church believers there. I've been to Tibet. I've, I've been to India. I've been to Mexico. When I share with other Christians and when I worship with other Christians, it doesn't matter what the color of their skin is or what language they speak. Uh, all that matters is that we are the part of, we are all part of the same body of Jesus Christ, and that brings strength to a Christian. So those five things, I think, are lessons that help any young Christian to grow. Uh, I, I really learned from you today, you must be obedient, submit your authority, fellowship with the Lord, 
uh, join a local church. Uh, you said a lot. I really, really learned from you from today. Uh, so, but you said something which is submit your authority. And what is happening now in America that people, the authority is saying that we should uh, accept all this kind of uh, lesbianism, all those things. So, as a Christian, where you find yourself in a place where the authority over you uh, is giving an order that challenges the word of God. So what must you do as a Christian if the authority over you, maybe your parents, maybe your loved ones or your family members are trying to uh, say something to you, but that thing goes against the word of God. Uh, what are you to do as a Christian in that situation? Well, I think, I think first is prayer. Um, there's, there's nothing uh, that can break the the barriers down and break the bonds and the chains and uh, and bring about as much result as prayer. Um, we can't do in our own power and our own strength what needs to be done in this world, whether it's uh, witnessing or sharing or uh, dealing with family and friends or even with the government and those that are against Christianity. We can't do that in our own power and our own strength. Uh, the word of God says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that happens when we pray and when we seek God and when we come before him. So the first thing uh, is to pray. Second thing is to always be loving, uh, to always be kind, to uh, always be like Jesus was. We don't have to approve of what people do. We don't have to approve of their lifestyle. But I think we are under an obligation as Christians to always love. Uh, love conquers all things. And uh, it's amazing to me that many times when we were walking across America, there were people who would, uh, at first, they would try to be mean. They would they would try to be uh, hateful toward us. They didn't like what we were doing, uh, but we would just love on them. And uh, we would just be sweet and be nice and be kind. And it, it was amazing how us just loving like Jesus would love uh, broke down those barriers. And so I think pray, I think love, and I think be a consistent witness um, here in America, I think one of the biggest problems we have, and I don't know what it's like uh, where you are, but where we are, one of the biggest problems we have in the church is people are inconsistent. They say one thing on Sunday and the rest of the week they live a different way. And so I think one of the ways that you deal with people uh, is to pray, to love, and be consistent so that they always see every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they see every day. Uh, that Jesus is your Lord, that Jesus is your Savior. doesn't mean we're never going to make mistakes, but it does mean that we need to be consistent in our walk. Uh, when we're consistent in our walk, they can see us, and they can see the change, and they can see the transformation. Uh, I'm always surprised at people that will come up and say, hey, I've been watching you. You didn't know I was watching you, but I was watching your life, and I see that there's something different about you. Can you explain to me what's different? And then we have the opportunity to share with them about Jesus. Oh, that's very deep. Uh, I'm really, really learning from you. I like the way you speak, how you're able to give biblical and disposition. I really love your conversation. I wish we could talk the whole day, but time will not allow us. But we can still speak. Um, um, uh, pastor, are you a pastor, uh, Mr. Rick? Are you a pastor? Not a pastor right now. I pastored for over 50 years. I'm 67 years old, um, and I'm teaching at the university. Uh, just a few miles from my home. I teach Old Testament, New Testament, and church history uh, to college students, which I absolutely love. Uh, and we're very active in our church here uh, in our area. And uh, I'm not pastoring right now, but it's the first time in 
in 50 years that I'm not. <laughs> my dad pastored for 55 years. And so together, my dad and I had over, over 100 years of experience in pastoring churches. Wow, because the, the answers you are giving me, they are very, very real. They are very, very true. They are very, very biblical. And it goes with the word of God. Uh, we must be Christ-like. We must be uh, praying, have time with the word of God. That's, I really love your answers. And uh, I think I have done several uh, discussions with different men of God. But your discussion is very, 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 very deep and very, very inspiring. I really like your answers and how you are discussing about Jesus. So, um... Mr. Rick or Pastor Rick, I'll call you pastor for me. I would choose to call you a pastor. So, Pastor Rick, um, you are married, right? And you have our children. So, for how many years have you been married? I've been married. We just had our anniversary. We've been married for 49 years. And uh, um, we have three children, uh, a son uh, and two daughters, uh, all who love Jesus and uh, are, are serving him. I have a daughter who is a, a Christian therapist in Houston, Texas, uh, and I have a daughter who's a professor at a Christian university in Indiana, and then my son lives near Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, he has my only grandchild, my only grandson, uh, and he's my oldest, and uh, they're all musicians, and they all serve, and uh, it just it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and we've had a we've had a great life together. Uh, my wife loves Jesus, and and uh, she walked across America with me every step of the way, and and uh, she's committed to Him. Matter of fact, we've been helping uh, our church at Vacation Bible School together uh, this week. She's been leading the music, and I've been serving the snacks. And uh, so we aren't retired from the ministry. Um, we're still serving the Lord every day. Wow. So you've been married for 49 years. So what advice can you give to incoming couples for them to stay longer? Because these days there are many divorces in many marriages, uh, separation and all kind of confusion. So what advice can you give to incoming couples uh, to help them stand or stay longer in their marriages as couples? Um, well, I think I think one of the things that I always try to explain to couples that I'm performing the marriage ceremony for is that many times we think of marriage as uh, a, a union between two people. Um, but I think we have to look at marriage, Christian marriage, uh, as uh, a threesome. Uh, there are three people involved. There have to be three people involved in that marriage. There's the husband, the wife, and Jesus. Um, you know, uh, I heard a preacher say one time that uh, a three-legged stool uh, a three-legged seat you can sit on, and it's very stable. But if it only has two legs, you're going to fall. And I think that's how it is with marriage. Uh, if if there's just a husband and wife, and Jesus isn't a part of that relationship, um, you're probably going to have problems. Uh, marriage is difficult under the best of circumstances. Um, even if uh, Jesus is in the relationship, there are difficult times. There are times when uh, one of the people... Uh, loses a job, or maybe you even lose a child, or there are just diseases, or there are different things that marriages have to endure. Um, and so it's difficult. But uh, the only way that that's going to survive uh, and survive well uh, is with the presence of Jesus in that relationship. Uh, my wife and I both said to each other uh, when we were dating, you need to know that uh, if we get married and we stay together, uh, I will always love Jesus more than I love you. 
And both of us were okay with that. I know that my wife loves Jesus more than she loves me, and she knows that I love Jesus more than I love her uh, because he's the most important thing in both of our lives. And I think that's why we've been able to sustain a marriage for 49 years because Jesus is the most important thing in our life. Jesus is the Jesus the most important thing in the marriage and that is what makes the marriage stand that's very great pastor Rick um, um there is another uh, important uh, word I want to uh, have with you there there is there are many Christians out there who are struggling uh, with some kind of besetting sins and they wish to come out from anxiety from uh, fornication from all kind of evil they so what advice can you give to struggling Christians who want to come out of sin, but they cannot come out from, from sin? What, what, what must they do to, to break the, the seal or the burden of sin in their life? Every day they backslide, they go back, they, they rise up, they fall, they rise up, they fall. So what uh, will you say to such Christians to help them come up again to revive themselves in the Lord? Well, I find that, um, I, I find that one of the biggest problems that Christians have, brother, is that uh, we say we want to come out from under sin, and we say we want to break the bonds uh, that we're under, but many times we continue to surround ourselves with the very things that cause those problems and those sins to surface in our life. So uh, let's use, you mentioned fornication or uh, adultery or uh, being unfaithful or having sexual sin. Uh, many times I, I've counseled with people who say, I want to get out from under that. Uh, but they continue to look at pornography online. Well, you, you have to you have to kind of cut things off at the root. Uh, you can't continue uh, to look at those things online and expect it not to grow fruit in your life. You know, the Bible says that whatever kind of seed we plant is what's going to grow. And so, uh, if you have a problem with alcohol, then you probably shouldn't hang out in places that sell alcohol. If you have a problem with pornography, you shouldn't uh, make yourself uh, available to that online. If you have a, a problem with other things, then you have to remove the temptation or remove yourself from the temptation. So the first thing I, I would advise is make sure that you clean house first. Um, make sure that whatever you're having a problem with it isn't constantly tempting you by being present in your home. You know, and a lot of people have things in their home, a lot of Christians. Uh, I have a little book called Demolishing Strongholds, and uh, many Christians have uh, idols in their home. They have false gods in their home. They have uh, books uh, that are full of illicit sex or uh, full of uh, uh, vulgarity in their homes, and that is constantly in front of them. That's constantly present. Well, you can't live in that kind of an environment and, and not uh, see the results of it in your Christian life. So I would say, first of all, if you really are serious about changing and uh, getting out from underneath those sins, you got to remove all the temptation that you possibly can. Uh, it's like me when I go on a diet, when I'm trying to lose weight, uh, I have to get all the candy out of the house <laughs> because if I don't get it out of the house, uh, my wife can't hide it good enough that I can't find it. I'll always find it. I can smell that candy. So I'll go get that candy when I shouldn't have it. And it's the same way with sin. If we don't remove it as far away from us as we can, we'll always go back to it. You know, the Bible talks about a dog returns to the vomit and a, a pig will always go back to the pigsty. Well, that's our human condition. Our human condition is 
we have a, 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 a bent towards sin. And if we allow ourselves to be surrounded by the things that cause sin in our life, we'll continually slip back into that sin. So the first thing is clean house, get rid of wherever the temptation is. The second thing is get an accountability partner, give somebody who is accountable with you, uh, get somebody who will check in with you uh, every day if need be, who will call you on the telephone or stop by your house and say, hey brother, hey sister, I just wanted to check on you, make sure you're being strong today. Is there anything I can do for you? Can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? And you do the same for them. Uh, having two people that, uh, you know, the Bible says, if two people shall agree on earth as touching any one thing, it will be done. So we need that accountability partner. It could be our husband or wife, but many times our husband or wife has the same weakness as we do. And so we have to find somebody who has a strength where we are weak and where we're strong, they're weak. And that way we can bind together, bind the enemy together, touch that thing in prayer and uh, that brings great results. So uh, remove the temptations, find an accountability uh, partner, and then pray, pray, pray. Uh, constantly pray. Uh, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And so all day long, I put a little note on my mirror in the bathroom, or I put a little note in my car to remind me, pray. And, and I might even write a prayer out that says, uh, God help me today with this temptation so that I can overcome it. And uh, so I can uh, be a victorious Christian uh, instead of a defeated Christian. And so those things will help. I believe they'll help. That's great, uh, Pastor Rick. Uh, we must get rid of the thing that takes us back to the sin and then uh, not go back to what opens the door. So we have to close the, the, the loopholes. We have to close the channels. We have to close the gateways that opens the door for sin to enter in. That's great, Pastor uh, Rick. So, Pastor, uh, Pastor Rick, um, what in life have you really, really done that you have um, regretted of that you wish nobody could repeat that same mistake again in life? If you check your, your, your life since the day you were born up to your age right now, what have you done? What a mistake have you done that you wish that nobody should repeat that same mistake again so that the incoming uh, ones will not fall into the trap of what you fell into? Um, I, I think probably for me, uh, I, I always have a, a I, I've always had a struggle um, with wanting people to, to, uh, uh, approve of me or to like me. And uh, so I've had a tendency in my life sometimes if if I knew somebody didn't like me or if I knew somebody didn't approve of me, uh, I, I wouldn't always uh, work real hard at that relationship. And I think over the years, I've probably missed some really great relationships that I could have had. Uh, but because I knew there was an issue or I knew there was a problem, it may not have been anything I did or the, even that they did. But um, I knew there was some sort of friction. I knew there was some sort of problem. And, and so maybe I just walked away from that situation or uh, didn't make a real effort to make that relationship as good as it could have been. You know, I, I, I believe with all my heart, brother, that God puts people in our life for a purpose and a reason. I think there are divine appointments in our life. And I believe that God wants um, us to have the relationships with the people that he brings into our life. And so uh, we have to work hard at that. And so as I look back over my life, I think there were probably several times when I had the opportunity to have really great relationships with somebody who probably could have helped me be a better Christian and walk closer to the Lord. 
but I kind of neglected that relationship and I shouldn't have done that. So uh, I think that's one of the regrets I've had. All right. So, um, uh, so meaning that, uh, right. So, okay. Then I think we have to move to the next uh, section. Uh, uh, the, the, you, at least you've lived this earth for some quiet, long years for now. And um, uh, uh, what, what have you really, really learned as in, in your own personal life experience? What you wish you can teach the younger generations? What you have learned in life that you think it can help uh, others in your experiences, how you became who you are today and what uh, the incoming youth or the incoming generation should do to uh, become successful as we all know in the Lord. So what life lesson can you give to our younger generation or the incoming generation, those hearing now, so that they can also learn something from you personally? Okay. Um, well, I, as you were asking that question, I just, I, the, the verse came to me where um, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest commandment? And, and Jesus replied by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Um, and I, if I if I teach anything to younger Christians, I, I want to teach them um, that loving the Lord with our whole heart and our whole mind, or all of our strength, uh, is the most important thing they can do. Because if we do that, everything else falls into place. If we do that, um, then we'll hear God speak. If we do that, we'll obey what God tells us to do. If we if we do that, then we'll end up walking where he tells us to walk and going where he tells us to go and speaking where he tells us to speak. Uh, but it all hinges on loving him with all of our heart. Jesus said in John 14, 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so if you love him with all your heart, you'll keep his commandments. If you love him with all your heart, uh, he'll work in your life. If you love him with all your heart, he'll... He'll cause uh, great things to happen in your life, and he'll use you in a great way. That, that's the greatest prayer that I have, brother, the greatest prayer that I have. Um, I, I've said this many times. One day when I die, if they don't say anything about anything else about me, I, I hope what they'll say is that this man walked with Jesus. This man knew Jesus. Um, and so... If we love him with all our heart, what will be said about us after we're gone is this man knew Jesus. You know, when the disciples were in the first few chapter of Acts, they, they were in all kinds of trouble. The apostles were in trouble for preaching about Jesus. And I was just reading this yesterday in Acts. Uh, and, and it says that the, 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 the court uh, observed Peter and John, and they said they knew they were unlearned and ignorant men, but they observed that they had been with Jesus. And if anybody can say anything about me, uh, I hope one day they'll be able to say he's been with Jesus. Um, that's, that's the most important thing is to be with Jesus. That's the most important thing to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus. Uh, that's great. Uh, Pastor Rick, um, uh, today our hearers are really learned a lot from your discussions and, uh, we have to love Jesus. We have to love God. Uh, but before we leave, um, I want to ask, uh, how do we love God? How do we love Jesus? Because uh, there are some people into fornication. There are people into all kind of uh, sexual sin. They call it love. So how can we love God? How can we love our neighbors as ourselves? 
Um, well, First uh, John says, we love him because he first loved us. And so our love for God isn't something that we we think up of our own. We, we, we do it in our own strength. Uh, loving God is a response to him loving us. And, and I think I think the reason, the barrier to loving God is that we haven't come to understand how much he loves us and how much he loved us. Um, and John 3.16 explains that to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish or die, but have everlasting life. Once I come to realize what God did for me by sending his son Jesus and what Jesus did for me on the cross, once I understand that, then uh, my response is going to be to love. One of the things I ask my students every semester is, if someone were to give their life for you, how would you respond? And uh, their responses are always the same. Well, I would, I would love them back. I would dedicate my life to them. And, and the same is true with Jesus. Once we realize that he gave his life for us, that, that he gave his all for us, he willingly laid down. Nobody took his life, the Bible says. He, he gave it willingly. Once I understand that and understand the love that it took to do that, then I will love him back uh, as a natural response. It won't be something I have to work up or that somebody has to talk me into. Uh, it will be a natural response to understanding how much he loved me. When somebody loves you, uh, your first inclination is to love them back. And uh, that's how it is with God. When we come to understand how much he loves us, then we'll love him back. And I, I think when you talk about the sin and, and, and calling it love and all that kind of thing, I think, I think the root of that is that many times we love ourselves more than we love God. And we love ourselves because we think we can solve all of our issues and problems and and satisfy all of our needs. But the truth is, uh, true satisfaction in real life uh, comes from from Jesus. Uh, Jesus said it himself: the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's the kind of life we're going to have without Jesus. But Jesus said, "I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly." So, if we love ourselves and think we can solve our own problems, we're not going to love God. But if we fall in love with God because he fell in love with us, um, then uh, everything changes. Everything changes when you fall in love with him. Right. So I think I have to add up this up where uh, Jesus uh, told Peter that if you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. So I, I believe that one of the ways that we can also love God in my own knowledge is that we can also help uh, the unbelievers know about God and then work uh, to, to work uh, in the things of God. You also added that uh, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So one way also to love God is that we obey the, the word of God, meaning that we love God and that we abide uh, by his truth. So meaning that those who are engaging in fornication, those who are engaging in all kind of immorality, uh, trying to show that they are showing love. I think that is not the kind of love that God is talking about. That's a kind of an erotic love, like a kind of a sensual love that is only accepted in marriage couples. But if you are not married, then uh, we are not supposed to engage in such love. The love of God for us is that we have to engage the kingdom work. We have to preach the gospel. We have to win souls for Jesus. We have to obey the word of God as Jesus said. If you love me, 
obey my commandment. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lamb. So there are some unbelievers out there that we can express our love to by letting them know the gospel, let them know the word of God, leading them to salvation, and then helping them build up uh, their Christian life. Pastor Rick, you really, really um, giving us a great uh, biblical revelation and great inspiration today. So in summary, uh, Pastor Rick, uh, what do you want to add up or what do you want to say to our hearers today, uh, this uh, day? Uh, I just sum up by saying, uh, love Jesus with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and serve him and obey him. Uh, there's no better life uh, than serving him, no better life than following Jesus, no better life than being obedient. And uh, if I had it to do all over again, uh, I would do it the same way. I would love him uh, and I would serve him and I would walk with him all the days of my life. You know, uh, long ago, um, oh, probably 40 years ago, brother, there was a, uh, a, a black artist, uh, singer here in the United States, uh, whose name was Andre Crouch, uh, one of my very favorite gospel singers. And he had a song that said, if heaven never was promised to me, I'd still serve Jesus. And I, I think that's true. We do have the promise of heaven and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. But the truth is, even if heaven were never promised, the very best way to live your life is serving Jesus. And uh, that's how I would sum up this whole discussion is uh, that's the best life you can live is a is a life serving him. We must love Jesus. That is uh, all that we can say today. Loving Jesus with all our hearts and with all our soul and with all our body. Uh, here is, uh, as time goes on, we have more discussion with uh, Pastor Rick. Uh, Mini, as time goes on, uh, we will end our conversation here. And uh, he has written some books, and I think you have to check out the books and read them for you to build up in your Christian life. And then uh, we are ending our session today. So, Pastor Rick, can you end it with our prayer uh, for us? We are ending. Can you end it with our prayer for us today? Yes, absolutely. Lord, we come to you today and we just ask for your blessing upon this discussion. I pray that the people who hear it uh, will be drawn closer to you. And Lord, I pray for this dear brother as he continues to get the word out, uh, the word of God out. And Lord, I pray that people will be encouraged, that Christians will be built up and edified, that they will uh, forsake their sin and follow you. And uh, Lord, I, I believe that as they do that, they will become light and salt in this world and that many people will come to follow Jesus. We pray for that. We pray for your richest blessings upon this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Right. Um, that is it, here is That was from, from Pastor Rick uh, today. And this is your host, uh, Henry Diodu Apiakran. Uh, the author of over 70 books and then i had with me pastor rick mini who have also written several books and books as well uh check them so where can we get your book uh, uh amazon.com uh the book is called and so we walked 
uh, and uh, it, it'll show up if you just put that in, or uh, Rick and Jane McKinney, uh, that's my wife, that'll, that'll help. Or you can go to our website, rickandjanemckinney.com, and uh, every, you'll see pictures of places we've been and uh, all kinds of stories, and I have blogs there and uh, lots of information that people might enjoy, rickandjanemckinney.com. Rick and uh, Jenny um, mini.com right so uh, here that is the book I myself will go out there and, and search I have the sample on my Kindle I'll go to and also buy the book as well and read it as well and then I believe it's going to bless our life uh, in Jesus Christ and so here is as time goes on uh, we will have more discussion with um, Pastor Rick I call him pastor because the answers he gave out today uh, should come from a man of God who knows the word of God. So as time goes on, we'll hear more from us. See you and God bless.